And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, what's going on, man? 27. 33. No, part 27 of 52, but that was a good guess. And actually, both are divided by three. So take that however you want to take it. But we're... (laughs) Of all useless connections, listeners, that you can make, there you go. Um, So... Matt, we're here, part twenty-seven, and we're get we're getting things back on track. You know, we've we've fallen a couple of weeks behind in our fifty-two part series, but our goal is to bring our listeners a real look at what entrepreneurship and startups are about. And part of that is trying to get things out on time. Well, in the spirit, well, in the spirit of getting things out on time, many tech platforms have to make a very very important decision about so much of their own technology along the way. Would you like to break the news about what that decision is? Well, first of all, I think this relates to these podcast episodes we're behind on. Can we just buy them instead of building them ourselves? That's always the question, Matt. That's always the question. No, probably not because, well, Matt, then how would we spend so much valuable time together? Now, (laughs) I would miss you. Before you you answer, I know you would. And there's something I want you to know before we talk about whether you should buy or build, because today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. That's the company we own together, everyone. And we can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. If you choose to build it, we will come. That's how that goes, right? Now, if you want to buy it, that's a completely different thing. But Matt, when you think of buy or build, like, why don't you go ahead and, uh, and get us up to the launch pad here. And uh, what does that even mean? Well, I think, I, I think it could mean a lot of different things at a lot of different levels, right? So for example, I was having lunch with a, a guy today and they have some developers actually with full skill and we help them build some stuff, but he also pays for some third party things, right? So it starts with say like uh, Microsoft Office. Should you build your own version of Excel or should you buy it? Buy. Buy. Um, for his his business, he uses some third-party tools to help automate some tasks. Does it make sense to try and rebuild that himself? Not really. Buy. And Buy. the thing is, he should invest in things that are innovative that are going to drive revenue, not things that help operational expenses or costs. Now, saving money is making money, yes, but you shouldn't spend like millions of dollars in R&D probably if you can just buy something off the shelf unless there's a really damn good reason. So that's where you get into that buy versus build. If, if you can buy it, so you don't, because we talk about all this all the time, right? Everything you do, you got to carry around your backpack and you got to, you got to support it. So if you're going to build it yourself, you got to support that damn thing forever now. So a lot of times it's smart to just buy it. 
so I, the buy versus build conversation has, in my opinion, changed dramatically over the last 10 years, meaning like 10 years ago, there weren't the options and things and stuff that's out there. Uh, so sometimes you did just have to build it because, but, but now and in, in here in 2021, I mean, there's like, there's a platform that, that does ev- something for everyone. Well, like, and there's, I mean, it's so many things, so many, there's no new ideas, whatever. Yeah. There's no new there ideas aren't. anymore there for aren't. a lot of this stuff. Right. There's also a third option here. We actually should throw into the mix and that's open source. So that okay. that's that's kind of its own thing. You you don't buy it, you you don't build it, but you use it and but you kind of build it. You kind of yeah, build it cuz you got to you got you got to twerk it. You yeah. got to twerk it a little bit. So that's another it's, option it's still, too. It's still on the build side of the line. Like buy is is okay. So well let's we'll use some real life examples. So um you know, you look at we we talk about Gigabook a lot and sometimes we pick on it, but uh, if uh, if a simple part of your platform's process is scheduling a call with someone that works at your company, you shouldn't be building an entire booking system like no. that. You can use no Gigabook way. or Calendly or some of the things that are out there that make that really easy for and and for the reasons you mentioned. Like, dude, it's fifteen bucks a month or maybe even free. Yeah. In some situations, it's the same thing with Zoom. Like you should you shouldn't right. be building your own video conferencing technology because you want people to talk to each other in your platform. Unless but, you are well well funded and you need the proprietary nature of it, which is what we should mention is is a strong reason for building something. Well, and there's but there's also open source stuff that sometimes can meet your needs. Like so use an example, let's say at full scale, we spend a thousand dollars a month on a time clock software, right? Well, maybe there's an open source one out there that's pretty simple that does what we want. Maybe we can download it and use it. Hell, we've got some developers. They could probably spend a day setting it up. And then, um, you know, it's open source. So hopefully other people can contribute bug fixes and make improvements to it and stuff. So we don't have the full burden of doing that ourselves. And maybe from here on out, we can continue to use it and then we don't have to pay for it. Um, so, I mean, o- open source is, is another option and a lot of lord, large companies do that, right? Especially they get real big. Like we spend a thousand dollars a month on a time clock. What happens when that gets to 10,000 or a hundred thousand? Then all of a sudden it makes more sense to build it yourself. But instead of building yourself, you might be able to still take an open source version off the shelf and make some changes to it. And that's still way cheaper than buying it. Yeah. So I think you have a great, a great point there. Um, and the time clock example is a good one because, uh, you know, so this is, this is what happens if, so I, I think so many startup founders and entrepreneurs in general are so obsessed with preventing the, the sky from falling that sometimes there's not much vision on what happens when everything goes right. Yeah. So, so some of that is, you know, like, so there are a couple things there though. If you are growing in a hyper fast way, like we are at full scale, there might be other priorities that are way better way better served and way more important than trying to build a time clock. You yeah. can come back to that later. So it's like technical debt almost. Yeah. Well, right. And the, the thing is though, at the same time though, so the time clock, as you mentioned that we pay for is $5 a person. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal when we had 10 people, but now we have 220 yep. and we're, according to the meeting that I was in the other day, we'll double in size in 12 months and possibly do it again in 12 more months. 
And now all of a sudden we're spending 50, 60 grand a year on a freaking time clock. Yeah. So, but at the same time, uh, time is money and we sell development and software tech services. So if we take someone and put them on building a time clock, that might mean that we don't have someone that can provide services to a client. So there's an opportunity cost there yes. as well. Yep. Yeah. So you got to kind of look at it like, so, so forfeiting $5,000 a month in revenue to use that person to save a thousand dollars a month in expenses, that math doesn't add up. Right. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, overall, I mean, this is, this is in so many of these situations that they're, they're like snowflakes. They're all going to be different. Now I, I do want to talk about the proprietary nature of things. Cause we're talking about how to start a tech company and there are certain things that, you know, in your tech platform, you, okay. You can, you, you don't want to just necessarily build a Franken app, you know, like if you just end up, you're going to run into problems with that later in an MVP stage. I think you're okay with that, but eventually you do have to have something proprietary. Otherwise you're snapping their Legos. You have the same kit that anyone else can have. And no one really wants to buy that or necessarily invest in it. You know, we've made investments and we've had people that have showed up and you're like, what do you own here? What's proprietary? What's yours? And some of it's like nothing. Okay, well, so theoretically, I could just start tomorrow and put this same shit together myself. You don't have any advantage there. You don't own anything. Yeah, we, also, some of those licenses and agreements will eat you up over time. Yeah, we had this conversation actually at Nitro recently. We're like, oh, well, we could just use some analytics, uh, you know, dashboard tool and integrate with it. And then be like, that's literally what our tool is. So you're saying we're going to like all of our proprietary value that we really provide, we're just going to license from somebody else and build on top of, right? Like it doesn't really make any sense. Like you, you've got to own, you know, the key, the key thing that makes your, your software unique and proprietary. So there, there's a lot of stuff out there right now and a ton of uh, venture capital and just, it just resources in general that are flowing into the no code environments. And, yeah. you know, I see a lot of ads for like bubble.io and, I checked it out and I looked at it and I think it's really, it's, it's a cool platform and it's super duper useful for a lot of stuff. But one thing you do have to consider is that you don't own that. You don't own that code, like on some levels, like you, you, you just don't. And, and those are some of the things like I was kind of poking around their website and looking at it and people are asking those questions, you know, like, can I export this? Can I, can I take it away? And the answer is no. And so some of that you got to make some decisions on because if you don't uh, if you don't have a proprietary lock on it, I mean Matt, you've sold two two software companies before you turned forty. You owned the technology, you built it, right? Absolutely, and you know actually, Bubble's a good example of something that could help solve like our time clock issue, right? Like, uh, right. what if we just had somebody make like a a really simple little time clock app using Bubble for us internally? We wouldn't care, right? If it just worked, if it did what we needed to do for some little <clears throat> internal thing, fine. Or like if we wanted to use Bubble to make something to track like new employees when they started, we have like a little list and a little workflow, a little database thing or something we did in Bubble, will probably work fine, right? But that's different than creating like a full-blown, you know, business and SaaS app that has all this complexity to it that you actually sell to somebody. But for a little internal things, yeah. I mean, it could be a step up from a spreadsheet 
Yeah, well, it's the same thing like you mentioned, like data visualization and stuff like that. I think a lot of people don't realize we have a completely custom software platform that that stuff doesn't just get built and like that's not like a three day project. No, you know, like that. There, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes with that, and it, but in some cases, that data can travel back and forth. To, I mean, there's a whole lot of business intelligence tools that are going that are out there that you can get into that will prevent you from needing to buy stuff. Now, so I guess if you look at things like Bubble, that's like buy, build, or rent. Yeah, it's kind of DIY. It's kind of DIY. It's kind of buying it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and and it is kind of like a rental. You're building it. And that's one of the issues though. Well, and, and another thing I think that everyone listening needs to consider is that Oftentimes, I mean, we've done it. We had no people that have done it. I think any successful tech entrepreneur will say that they've started with something and then you just you just kind of are married to it forever. You're yeah. like, oh, we'll do something different later. But then you never are. Like nine years later, you're still using it. Uh, I've got good, a great example of this. Sa- tell, please tell. So one, you get some things that are both buy and build. And they fall right into what you're describing. And they're the worst like things that get their vampire teeth into you and you're stuck with them forever. And you know what it is? Salesforce and things like ah. that. You buy yeah. Salesforce and then you customize the shit out of it to do all these different things. And then you never can get rid of it. Like at Venn Solutions, we had like three or four full-time employees that did nothing but manage but Salesforce, Salesforce. Right. and make yeah. changes yeah. to it. Like it was so deeply embedded in what yeah. we did and we paid so much shit for that. It was insane. And yeah, so you get into some things that are like that. You buy it and then you build on top of it and then you are stuck with that thing forever. It's really, really hard to get away from it. That That's a great example. And if you're from Salesforce, sorry, it's true. Like that shit's super complex and it's really, really expensive. And, oh yeah. You know, like, and while that might fit in some in some budgets, uh, you know, you can also be on the flip side of things, though. You can, like, be so fascinated with cheap. Like, we, we said Gigabook and Calendly in a previous conversation. Well, Calendly is made to be cheap, light. It's just basically a bridge to Google Calendar, but it's not going to do all the, like, wild shit that Gigabook can do in regards to just a lot of it. And so also make sure that if you do choose to buy or slash rent in this situation that you're going to be able to grow it, that what you're looking at meets what some of your future needs are. Well, or no, you're going to grow out of them. Well, that's my point. But the problem is, is you get, you have to stop and change clothes basically and then get moving again. And, and, and that's where, that's where technically, you know, the last episode we were talking about technical debt, that's a, that's operational debt, which is kind of technical debt. So if you think you're going to get it, like, don't be so fascinated with cheap or free that you blind yourself to your future needs. Cause well, well, and I would say when you think about buying things, uh, this is absolutely true and, and applies to a lot of things, right? Like for example, QuickBooks is really cheap and we use it and it costs, you know, 50 bucks a month or hundred bucks a month, whatever. But at some point in time, you may outgrow it because you need to do some advanced things and that's okay. And as a young startup, that that mentality actually applies to a lot of things, right? Like I want to use like this really complicated CRM tool or marketing tools or all this stuff that could be thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars a year and I can't afford them. So for now, I'm using some like cheap crappy version that costs like $400 a year 
and that's okay. And eventually I outgrow it and I get to that enterprise feature set that I needed and I go buy the big boy tools that are really expensive. And that's okay. And, that, and that's just part of, you know, what happens you, as, you, as your company grows. So let's, let's talk about like a measuring stick, meaning like some pros, some pros of building and buying. Now, before we get into that, a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. We're going to help you build it. That's what we do. Um, and I guess if you want to buy it, we could, I'd like to think our team could probably help you install it if and when needed. <laughs> so, all right. So we're, Let's start with a few pros that come with building. Like, well, we use a time clock example. So if we like, and, and that example was in the company system that we have been building. Now, I don't want to say built because that would be final, but we continue to work on as our company grows. We found that they're just because while, I mean, quite honestly, the services that full scale offers aren't unique. I mean, we sell web development services. But there wasn't there wasn't really anything that out of the box we didn't have a buy option that met all the, like the needs of what the company would grow into. So one of the things, for example, is we have some technical profiles and basically resume type builders um, that we have for all of our employees and 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 that help us match people up with their needs. Now, on the flip side of that, there's a testing platform, HackerRank, where we use for us that we use for assessments. I don't want to rebuild that shit. No. Instead, we, integrate we buy it. that, and then it integrates with our own system. So yep. it's the same thing with things like QuickBooks. Like, but the customization and the scale um, are the, the, when you're building. I mean, they're limitless. I mean, theoretically, you can have it do whatever you want it to do. You have a greater control over things, but that at the same time, that greater control is often limited by your by how fast can you customize it. Absolutely. I mean that that the biggest pro to building is customization and 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 or scale, right? At some point in time, like I always joked about this in automotive. You know, we would sell our software to car dealers for like $2,000 a month, right? Well, there were car dealer groups that had like 200 stores. Does it make sense for them to spend 400 grand a month? Or at some point in time, is it cheaper for them to build it themselves? And it, sometimes things get to economy of scale like that. But the problem is, even then, a lot of times they don't have the expertise. They don't really know what to do. It, I mean, it's the dirty, rotten stepchild that never gets attention. They never can create a market-leading product. And so even a lot of times in, it still doesn't make sense to build it because you just don't have the in-house expertise and it takes away focus from something else that you could be spending your time on. Yeah. And I think you have a good point because when you're, as you were saying that, I'm just sitting there thinking, is this what we do? Yeah. Right. Cause like, cause you like, a, and I think a car dealer is a perfect example. Like they, I don't know car dealers that just have like a, a dev team. Nope. They move metal, you know, like, yeah, right. Right. And that's the thing though. So it's like, if you don't, if if you're going to build stuff, you need to be prepared. It's never done. If you're sitting there listening, thinking, Oh, I'll just hire developers until it's done. It's not, it's never fricking done. And and the other thing is it could be a strategic, it could also be a strategic advantage to you. Right. And so you have somebody like Tesla who comes along they're like, ah, screw all the way. All this shit is done. Now we're going to plow a totally different way of doing it in a totally different business model. And because of that, they did have to build it. 
and that happens too. So competitive edge. It can be a big competitive, a competitive edge. edge. You can have a competitive edge. Uh, you do. You do create tech. We talked about technical debt, but you also can create technical assets. Like depending on what it is that your company does. Uh, well, we've sold licenses of Gigabook. Yeah. So you know, like, so there is value and stuff there for someone else that wants to customize it or deal with it or do it, however. And. Um, you know, now it's funny because our notes here for the pros of building say guaranteed integration. And I'm thinking, hell no, that's a whole nother project on top of your project. It's more work and so to do. I, and, and that's something that really tilts me on the buy side of things is, you know, the world of connectivity is such a must amongst all these different platforms is like, think about it. You're like, oh, yeah, so we'll build our own shit. And then you're like, okay, well, I want it to connect to Google Calendar, to QuickBooks, to Slack, like right there. Those are three hefty projects, mm -hmm. depending on what, what it is you want to do. And then here's the thing. All three of those platforms are going to change something about how they do anything. And you're going to have to support them, fix them, change them, make them better, wake yep. them up from the dead. And, and by the way, Google doesn't usually, usually miss that message. That's like, Hey, we're changing the API. And the next thing you know, you got 20 people that count on that feature mad that it doesn't work. So, okay, Matt, what is, what are some pros of the buy? What are, where are we out on buy? Um, we write the check and the next week we got the shit we need. We start using it and let's go. It's a now thing. So yes. If you have if you have X amount of powder, gunpowder, you got to figure out where you want to shoot where you want to shoot shoot it. You know, and it's just like, and that's the thing is is look, and that's where okay. So earlier we were we were talking about Salesforce, but at the same time, if that gets you selling and creating revenue and doing it in an organized and efficient way, like that's way more valuable than $400 a month in most cases. So yeah, absolutely. you just got to think about what you need and what you're getting yourself into. So rapid deployment is what you're mentioning. I, like, Hey, it's ready now. And honestly, this whole buy versus build thing relates to a lot of things, even with developers. Like I had this conversation with one of our developers this week, he was setting up a, uh, a server, and want to install, you know, a database queuing thing on it so we get tested and do all this stuff. And it was gonna be a lot of work. And I'm like, dude, you need to be lazy as fuck. Go to AWS and sign up for their service that does this exact same thing. He's like, but that costs money. I'm like, dude, but it'll be done in like three minutes. Be lazy. Do go the lazy yeah. route, right? Instead of spending all this time trying to save money, like be lazy and spend a few dollars and save your time. Time is money. I think you have a great, I think you have a great, great point, Matt. So, you know, you, uh, you're, you're basically giving the compare. So we've used that. We've used the example of the shopkeeper that never opens the store because he's too busy cleaning the store. This isn't the example of someone that spends $10 in gas to use a $5 coupon. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And exactly. so, but, and they're like, and so you're already at a negative five there, but, or maybe it's $5 of gas for a $5 coupon What's your time worth? What's yep. your energy? What's your focus? What's your team's energy and focus? So there's a thing here. I want to talk about something that you can't put a price tag on. How about peace of mind? Yeah, absolutely. That, like, I mean, peace of mind as an entrepreneur is a rare thing. 
on so many days. And and by the way, speaking of peace of mind, you know, uh, you didn't have much peace of mind in that picture that I posted in the Startup Hustle chat where uh, from our Vegas trip a few years ago, where you had a, a slip, a cash out receipt for six cents. That but was I, my I winning point. <laughs> It, or you're losing. So that, that was what you had left. <laughs> but but yeah, that sums up what it's like to feel like an what it feels like to be an entrepreneur on so many days. So, you know, as I've gotten older or more experienced, as I like to say, I mean, I have a newfound appreciation for peace of mind. Meaning, there are things that I'm much more willing to buy. Okay, so right now HubSpot's a good example. Yeah. HubSpot's honestly kind of expensive for what it does, but at the same time it's sophisticated, it has a lot of support, it's customizable and you know what? Like it just it's just it 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 the the organization and the thought that they've put into the way that it's structured it is give it now look, I don't have peace of mind why I'm customizing it because it's honestly a lot to think about. But after it's done in true automation and business process, business process uh, automation uh, environments, like if it's done well, it will turn it not only turn into our most productive employee, it'll also be our most reliable employee because, as we like to say, software shows up every day. Well, so peace you, of mind is at the end of that. Well, and th and this hits directly to uh, something else I just thought of. Y you ever hear that that uh, that old saying that nobody ever gets fired for buying IBM? Or True. nobody ever gets fired for buying Cisco. It's the exact same thing, right? Like I buy HubSpot or IBM or Cisco because I have peace of mind that the shit's going to work. And if it doesn't work, I know they'll make it work. That it's, right? thought, I, it's thought out. It's thought and I don't out. have, I, yeah. I've outsourced this problem to the expert at what they do. And I know that they're going to make it work and it'll work. Uh, you know, I think you bring up a good point, though, at the same time, though. So we're, you know, we're talking about our use of HubSpot, which, by the way, I really like. I really enjoyed it. But it doesn't create high level strategy. It doesn't know what my business really needs. It got, it's got a lot of suggestions and templates and stuff like that. But you still have to put a lot of thought into yeah. properly using a lot of the tools that you're going to buy. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I mean, and that's and that's that's where the challenging stuff comes in. Now, you know what? Let's let's. I want to switch lanes for a second here, because we were talking about no code platforms like Bubble. Um, mm -hmm. I think stuff like that is quite honestly the future of MVP building. Mm -hmm. Sure, right? like yeah, just proof of concept. Mm -hmm. Just show it. See if anyone gives a shit about it you know, demonstrate it, do a lot of things. And then you've created, uh, I mean, theoretically with HubSpot, the same thing. Like once that's fully customized and going, if I did need to scale it, it is, it is a working blueprint for what yep. I might need or want to build later. So you can use a lot of these other things to really kind of get the, the kinks out. You know, and then other things too, I just think a lot of that stuff, uh, you know, and here's a guy that sells developer services, but I, I talk to potential clients all the time. And anytime I see an opportunity for them to keep money in their pocket, I tell them because people appreciate that shit, mm -hmm. you know, like there's times when you're ready to do stuff and aren't like, so if you're trying to build an MVP or just prove a basic concept about something, a lot of those things are are that that happy medium in in between. It's technically buying, it's not totally building, but you get something demonstrable that you don't have to sink 
a shit ton of money into building the MVP. Yep, absolutely. And we were ready to go to the next level. Have you tried any of that stuff? I'm just curious. Mm, No, not really. So I, you know, and some of it, I mean, it's, it's, it's still a lot of that stuff is still formative in nature, but a lot of it. So I think that, so I think some of the things like bubble or they're pretty general, it's kind of like gigabook. It's like fully customizable, but you gotta know, but you got to learn how to customize it and know what you want and how to do it. And then um, I think that that's going to, a lot of that's going to evolve into a lot and, of uh, it, industry specific solutions. And, and none of this is new. I mean, think about Microsoft Access. It's been around forever. And True. 20 years ago, I saw some pretty complicated shit built in Microsoft Access that blew me away. And it's also not too different than like Salesforce, right? You can customize Salesforce to do all sorts of stuff and add fields and screens and views and triggers. And, and you know, th- there's... There's a lot of solutions out there that are sort of a hybrid of this stuff, right? Like you, you buy mm-hmm. Salesforce and you can customize it to do all sorts of different things as far as you want to go with it. So, yeah, I mean, in HubSpot's been that same thing. It's, it's less sophisticated, but I also don't need a developer to, I don't need yeah. an admin and a lot of different stuff. So, I mean, really in the end, I think the caveat is if, if you do choose to buy, just know what you're getting into, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and think about it and, you know, and then there's some, there's things, uh, there's just so much information out there everywhere. Like Google, there's a zillion, there's a, everyone's talking about everything. If you can't, and if you can't find it on Google, then it probably just doesn't exist. <laughs> Speaking of building things, I saw, I, I saw a news feed the other day that Google had like that their supercomputer had built like a time crystal. And I'm like, yeah, I saw that. Crystal. I read that. Like, I mean, yes. speaking of built, like, how does that work? I don't even know think, what that means. I, I think it was, uh, I don't think they actually did it. I think it was all conceptual that, that they like thought that they could or proved that they could, but I don't think they actually have. So, you know, I, I think the things that, uh, let's talk for a second about things that I think are easy, buy, easy buys and never a build. First off, scheduling and calendars, like, Microsoft Everything from Office, Google to Gigabook, it's, every, it's everywhere, right? Email, Slack, Slack, Zoom, email, video conferencing, video project conferencing. management tools, CRM True. tools, accounting, accounting, business Payment, forecasting uh, tools. Oh yeah, yeah. Credit card processing, billing, invoicing, yeah, payment processing. Um, I mean, dude, they probably go on and on and on. I marketing mean, the, tools, uh, work, marketing analytics, uh, any, anything in the G suite. Just pull, we like, just pull out our credit card bill and we see all these little charges every damn month. It's all that shit that adds up. Well, well, I mentioned like the G suite, like you have like anything that makes a document, a spreadsheet, a calendar, yeah. uh, chat, 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 any, yes. any like chat or, or messaging, um, meetings, uh, CRM. Like there mm-hmm. are components of CRM that you may build into your platform, but there's just a zillion solutions. Um, hosting. How about hosting? Yeah, that was one I was going to hit on like servers. A- AWS servers. and Azure and stuff. Yeah, like buying your own servers and hosting your own servers at this point is a pretty stupid idea. Uh, forms. Yep. There's lots of things like you know, Typeform. I'm, cur- I'm or- currently in love. I'm currently in love with Typeform, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. Because for like fifty bucks a month, I don't need a front end developer to create my own custom yep. forms that I can also change 
without having to ask anyone, wait or do anything. Yep. And for 10, for 10,000 submissions, it's like 50 bucks. And you mm -hmm. go back to that, like the developer wanting to save money, dude, how you need to build something really freaking fast for me to save the 50 bucks yep. a month. That's $600 a year. Uh, that is like a couple days worth of dev time for most yep. programmers. Yeah. And I've also do used like Google, Google forums, which integrates with Google spreadsheets works great Same or survey monkey. Right. Like there are so many of all these tools out there. And so, I mean, one of the biggest pros of buying any of these things is that they continually provide you new updates and features and maintenance. It's their responsibility to make sure this stuff works versus if yep. you build it yourself, you mentioned earlier, like peace of mind, right? Like now you got to worry about like maintaining this thing and having employees that can maintain it, keep it alive, deal with all of that. Versus if you buy it from somebody else, you've outsourced that problem to somebody else. So as we begin our descent into the, into the world of buying and building, and once again, today's episode of Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Um, you, you know, I, recently I've had people ask me, they're like, are you worried that like you we're not, you're, you're not going to need developers in a few years? Hell no. They're a, the global, uh, enterprise, just enterprise software industry generated $517 billion in revenue last year. Um, this is enterprise. The market's there. It's not going anywhere. Um, there's a, a ton of stuff out there, but you know, there's just still, people are always going to have innovative ideas that are going to, that need to and want and should and could be built at that point. Like there are, if you want to sell it down the road, meaning like as technology, you do need to build it on, on many levels. Cause you're not going to sell your, your bubble integration to a, to a third party. That's not mm -hmm. how that works. Cause you don't own it. You don't own it. Um, you know, and I mean, Matt, how much of that has come up in your, in your two big exits in your life? Like, I mean, you've gone through a lot of that, like heavy duty technical. They're buying the intellectual right? property. They want to know what yeah. the intellectual property is. Right. And they also don't want to buy something that has a ton of cost of goods. It's like, okay, you sell this thing for $300 a month, but you actually pay somebody else $200 a month because you're like really packaging their thing. So your margins are terrible, right? So all, all of that stuff goes into it. So when it comes to investors or acquirers looking at your software platform, Matt, how big do they want those margins to be? Uh, usually 70, 80 plus percent. And I, I think that the key to the buy Which and Which is build, crazy. That's high. That's but for hot. software, but for software, like especially SaaS based software, 80, 90% plus is pretty normal. Um, you know, StackFi was a little lower because we deal with a lot of data. So we have a lot of servers and, and data. But for a lot of, a lot of uh, applications, very, uh, very few people ever log into them and they don't run on very many servers. Like the actual cost of hosting the application and stuff is very, is very low. So the margins are very, very high. It's great. It's like Gigabook. What? You spend like $300 yeah. a month on a server, regardless how much money it makes, the hosting's $300 a month. So it's cost of goods. So, so, you know, if you hear a child screaming in the background of my mic, it's because that child actually decided to build technology and then later realized 
what they had gotten themselves into. I was going to say, you so, built her. And, you built her, right? And the, the other child screaming is actually went and bought it and now has some scalability <laughs> issues and is dealing with that. So, and, you know, I think that's where I want to wrap up because I, I want to give some perspective. So, you know, those, when you do decide to buy, um, so we look at, let, we're going to use our company full scale and the sponsor today's show, go to fullscale.io. We really do want to help you out, but all right. So we have 220 employees. So eight bucks a month each for Slack. Yep. Oh, wow. That's already a lot. Five bucks a piece for a time clock, five bucks a piece for Google suite. Right. There. I mean, that's six grand a month, seven grand a month yep. right there. Um, not to mention there's other things and stuff. And so some of that and what we have to look at as a business is like you mentioned earlier, what happens when we get to a thousand employees or what if we, what if we get to 10,000 employees, 10,000 employees at five bucks a head for the fucking time right. clock is is a significant now sure you could probably negotiate some uh bulk or enterprise rates at i would that hope point, so which means which means you'll only then spend a quarter million dollars a year maybe <laughs> and and in some cases so with slack the enterprise price is more it's not yeah. cheaper yes it's yep. actually more so some of these things for the enterprise level tools double your price they try to stick so, it to you yeah, so it is on many days, and you look at the credit card statements, it's death by a thousand yes. tiny charges, not cuts, but you know, all that stuff matters. All right, Matt, so let's sum this up. Um, so are you, a, are you a buyer or a builder? I, I think both, right? You want to build things that are innovative, they're going to drive revenue, give you competitive advantage, all those sort of things. And you want to buy things that are very operational expense like there's not a little lot of differentiation in, to them i mean at some point in time you could consider building something if there's some cost savings to it like the little time clock thing or something but there was one other analogy i, I thought I, we should go through that i think is interesting is think about how cars are made today right like general motors or somebody they don't really build anything they assemble cars they buy all the parts from other manufacturers and assemble them and build them which has its pros and cons, right? They they were able to shed a lot of labor expense and stuff like that and and buy the best brakes from the best company that makes brakes and all that stuff, right? But also had cons because they can't make changes very quickly. And then you have somebody like Tesla that comes by that says, you know what, we're going to build a lot of this in-house because we want to move way faster and we want to control the supply chain and made it a competitive advantage, right? And so Whenever you look at this stuff, you always have to just kind of look at the pros and cons of both sides. And it's different for every company, everything, every phase of the company, size of the company. It always changes. But more often than not, if you can buy stuff, if it's not like a really big competitive advantage to it, you're probably better off. And I, and I think you have a great point. I'm actually glad you brought that up. because So I used to work for a company, Roland, the, the world's largest maker of electronic musical instruments. They do like $5 billion a year in musical instrument sales, just a juggernaut. They make 100% of their own parts because, you know, if something breaks like six or 10 years later, they might not be able to get a similar transistor somewhere yes, or whatever. Yep. And then also you have supply chain issues. Now, one thing to consider as well is when you are buying, you can't make Microsoft fix a bug faster. Yes. Or, yep. or Slack add a feature. Like you yeah. are definitely, you're, you're in line on that shit. You can't yep. like, and you and trust me, you don't have the buying power to make them change their mind. Um, so, um, I mean, overall, like, 
I mean, that is something. So that's part of that is on a huge, that's like a huge consideration and something that, so you mentioned like with the, so does Tesla make all their own parts? Is that a lot of them? They do cars. Okay. Okay. See, I didn't know that. So, but you mentioned I mean, their the cars also papers. need like 20% as many parts as a internal combustion engine car does. Well, but, but the thing is, is those, those cars need a hundred percent of those parts because they yes. can't, if one of them are missing. So our COO at, at full scale, Daryl, um, his parents used to own a transportation company that was just, they, they dealt with the trucks, but they primarily delivered to Detroit to car makers. And mm -hmm. there's like in every contract they have, like anytime a truck would break down, it was like a state of panic because if those parts weren't there, their contracts were like, like devastating. Like, yeah. because if you have to stop the assembly line at yep. Ford, yep. the expense with that, but the, th but here, but think about all the interdependencies. So this is why Ford had to cancel plans to build over 400,000 cars this year Yep, because they don't have a freaking microchip and they don't control any of it short and they don't control it and they can't and and then what's going to happen as well and and i i don't think this has been publicized but so there's two major chip foundries in the world two right and yep. uh, two dude and so here's the thing is like some of these companies with they're probably in a really really bad spot so they're calling that place up and they're going hey how much do i need to pay to get moved up in line mm-hmm Right. So some yeah. of this is like, I mean, and this is just the reality. It's opportunity cost for somebody like Ford, right? It's a good example of Ford's got a ton of opportunity cost. They're losing money by the day because they can't build a car because of this small little piece. And they have shareholders to answer to. They got a whole lot of stuff to answer to. And overall, like, that's the thing is there's a lot of moving parts dynamics. And also you can't get people to fix it faster. And then another thing too is like some, what you buy might not do everything you need, which is normal. I think if you get 90% of what you need out of any software platform, you've done well. Um, and, you know, sometimes people are like, it doesn't do everything I need. I'm like, nothing does. Yeah. Uh, you might Good not luck. ever see that feature. We see that with Gigabook all the time. People request the weirdest shit. And I'm, I see it come through in tickets. And I'm like, there's no way we're ever going to do that because you are the only person that cares about that it is so far down the list yeah. of priorities that it'll yep. never happen and and so that and you can't control that in a buy world you can overall i'm a buyer and a builder myself i think that as i mentioned earlier um you know like i just i do have a newfound appreciation for being on the buy side of things but I also have a lot of experience. So I feel like I have a lot of understanding about what to expect and what I can get and where that's a good play and where it's not. So yeah, overall, it's still like a snowflake, man. It's going to be different in every single situation. It's something you have to, a decision you have to make for yourself. And, you know, once again, if you're in that MVP phase, do everything you can to buy before you are forced to build. Because once yeah, you start building, you need to continue you never stop. building and you, yeah, there is no stopping. So mm -hmm. is that why all, all tech people are crazy? Cause it's like the fricking post office, like the mail never stops coming. <laughs> Pretty much. There's always work to do. And the users always screw up everything. So if the users would just get it right, we'd never have to fix anything, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's a great place to end, Matt. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. 
Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.